give her a dress code. It's black tie. Thanks for letting me know, King. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. Jinx. Welcome to our final episode of Rom-Com February. Yeah. I think we've been really picking some winners this Rom-Com February. Mm -hmm. But this week, you guys picked the winner. Yeah. Low-key, this was the one that I wanted to win, so I'm super happy that it did. Yeah. But today, we are doing 2018's Crazy Rich Asians. This movie is – it's first of all – so gorgeous. Singapore mm-hmm. is gorgeous. As Christina, a Singapore <laughs> um, gal, knows. But uh, seeing it with fresh virgin eyes, I mm-hmm. was just like taken aback by the sights. And the chemistry between Constance Wu and I know his Henry, Henry Golding. Golding. Yeah. Uh, Incredible. No, they perfectly cast they were the first choices for both of those roles they knew they only wanted Constance Wu they completely designed everything like around her schedule so they could have her because she was still Mm -hmm. filming um fresh off the boat at the time oh okay yeah and then Henry Golding this is actually his first movie role like he'd been on tv as like a as like a host like a tv personality type of thing but had never acted before Mm -hmm. and he turned it down like multiple times because he was like I'm not like a real actor but then the director connected with him through like a mutual friend on Facebook and was like, please, we really want you for this role. Like you would be perfect. He had to cut his honeymoon short to fly out and do like a chemistry Whoa. read with Constance. And he got it. Yeah, he did. I also read that. So the budget was $30 million and mm-hmm. they did it with Warner Brothers, but they had been offered a larger budget by, I want to say Netflix. Yeah, Netflix really wanted it. But they were like, they wanted to send a message that, you know, films focusing on Asian stories would like do well in the box office. Mm-hmm. So they were like... We're going to take that $30 million. And you know how much they made? Oh, my God. $238.5 in the <sighs> box office. Incredible. It was a huge smash success in the U.S. specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, it did incredibly well. Did not do nearly as well in China. Uh, it actually kind of flopped there. Ooh. But it was a huge success in the U.S. It is also, I think, the first all-Asian American film like all Asian cast, primary cast, um, mm-hmm. since the Joy Luck Club. So, wow. Yeah, it was a huge deal when this movie came out. It was also based on the books by Kevin Kwan. So there's Crazy Rich Asians, China Rich Girlfriend, and Rich People Problems. I read all of them. They're great books. I definitely recommend. And one really cool thing that I liked in the books is that a lot of like Singlish, which is like Singaporean English. There's a lot of like slang in there. And he also puts mm-hmm. footnotes anytime like slang is used or if there's like a Hokkien word or something that may need more context, there's always like a footnote explaining it for people who aren't from Asia. So I thought that was like a really cool detail. So even if you didn't grow up in Singapore like I did, you can still understand the various like terms and stuff. That's so cool. When, do you know what Hokkien is? Hokkien, yeah. It's a Chinese dialect. Okay. Yeah. And is that just a common 
Chinese dialect in Singapore? Yeah, because Singapore has four official languages. So there's English, Mandarin, Tamil, and Malay. Okay. Um, But there are lots of different languages spoken in Singapore. And like Singlish specifically is kind of like its own language because it also draws from so many different languages. Like there are like Malay terms, there's like Hokkien terms, there are like Cantonese terms that are like mixed in with English. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll kind of like borrow from all of the different cultures in Singapore because it's not just like people of Chinese descent, which is a, an issue that a lot of people had with this movie is because it shows mostly like Chinese Singaporeans. But Singapore is incredibly diverse. There's people from India, from Thailand, from Indonesia, from like all over in Asia. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the Singlish will kind of borrow from a ton of different cultures. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem like, because I mean, Singapore is such a new country. It's like mm-hmm. a lot of expats yeah. and people from all over come there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to discuss. So I feel like we should just hop right in. Yes. So we open up with a quote from Napoleon. Napoleon Bonaparte. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the quote reads, Let China sleep, for when she wakes, she will shake the world. Title card, London, 1995. It's a rainy evening, and we see the Calthorpe Hotel. And this family comes in. It's two women, two children. They are drenched from the rain, carrying their Louis Vuitton suitcases. Mm-hmm. Eleanor, she's speaking to her sister-in-law, Felicity, in Mandarin about how if Felicity didn't make them walk, then they wouldn't be soaking wet. So Eleanor goes up to the front desk, and the concierge immediately very rude to her he's like this is a private hotel as opposed to a public hotel yeah like get off your freaking horse and she says hello my name is eleanor young i have a reservation for the lancaster suite we spoke on the phone yesterday when i confirmed and he like isn't even looking at her he's just like oh can't find your reservation sorry and the hotel manager comes out and asks what's going on and she's like We've had a long flight. We would like to be shown to our suite. And he's like, sorry, we're fully booked. You must have made a mistake. Perhaps you can go find accommodation in Chinatown. So racist off the jump. And Felicity says in Mandarin, you can explore hell, you dog turd. (laughs) And Eleanor asks if she can at least use their phone to call her husband cut to Eleanor having to use the phone booth outside and she is like yelling at her husband in Mandarin. So they end up going back into the hotel and the manager is like, if you don't leave, I'm going to call the police. And she says, go right ahead. And who comes downstairs but Lord Calthorpe himself in his dressing gown in the middle of the night. My man's in his PJs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) greets Eleanor, kisses her on the cheek. He's like, I just got off the phone with your husband and tells his staff to get the Lancaster suite ready and says, as of this evening, his family is selling the hotel to the young family of Singapore. Meet the new lady of the house, Eleanor Young. And she just looks at this freaking little concierge man and says, do you get a mop? 
the floor is wet as they walk away. It's crazy to think that that's not that long ago. No. It's like 25, 26 years ago. Mm -hmm. Cut to New York. I don't even know if they say the year. 2018? Yeah, 2018. Yeah. We see a poker table. Rachel Chu is playing a game of poker against this guy. She puts in all of her chips and he folds immediately. He's like, you know, I can't compete with that. Mm-hmm. Rachel reveals her hand. Nothing. Nothing. She had nothing. <laughs> the lights come up. We see that they're in a lecture hall in NYU. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and Rachel is the professor. She's an economics professor. And um, her TA was the guy that she was playing in poker. Mm-hmm. And she tells the class that TA Curtis was playing on psychology And that our brains hate the idea of losing so much, it causes us to make some really poor decisions. And he was playing not to lose. And that's when we catch our first glimpse of Nick Young, who walks in as class um, gets released. Just as dapper as ever. So they end up going to this little cafe together and share a dessert. And Nick is like, you know, I've been thinking about taking an adventure east. And she's like, oh, my God, you want to go to the East Village to get pork buns? And he's like, (laughs) I'm thinking a little further east. She's like, Queens? And he's like, no, silly. Singapore for spring break. That is a very long flight for a very short amount of time. You can either do a one-way flight, which is extremely long, or you usually would break it up in two. And it basically takes you two days to get there. And by the time they will adjust to the time change, because it's a... Oh, my God. They wake up at 8 Mm a.m. the day that they get there. Yeah. I was like, that's not realistic. (laughs) Not Nobody has any jet lag in this movie. And it's a 12-hour time difference. Depending on the time of year, it could be 13. But at this point, it would be a 12-hour time difference. Mm -hmm. So they adjust very quickly when they get there. But anyways... Nick talks about how his best friend Colin is getting married and he's the best man and him and Rachel have been dating for over a year now. So he really wants to like introduce her to his family, like show her where he grew up, all of that. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I could also go visit my college roommate, Paik Lynn. Like she's been wanting me to come to Singapore for forever. And as they're having this little convo, this woman across the cafe who is in the book, she's supposed to be Celine, she notices them talking about going to Singapore. So she sneakily takes a little photo of them and then promptly texts every single person in Singapore (laughs) that Nick Young has a girlfriend named Rachel Chu. And we see this whole like montage of it traveling from phone to phone to phone, everyone like figuring out who she is, finding her on Facebook, being like, oh, is she from like this Chu family or this Chu family? And we have a little cameo actually of Kevin Kwan in this montage. We see him get a text as well. And News has spread across the island. Yes. All the way to Eleanor Young, who is reading the Bible in her Bible study, when one of her friends interrupts her to ask if Nick is bringing a girl to Colin's wedding. The girls, like these ladies are probing. They're like, oh, (laughs) you know, does he have a girlfriend? And Eleanor's like, Nick dates many women. It's hard to keep track. She's a very God-fearing woman. Mm -hmm. You can tell what's important to her. And one of her girlfriends, Alex, offers to give her the contact of a private investigator. And Eleanor is like, 
we should return to the word of God. (laughs) So Alex starts reading her Bible passage, but like can't help herself. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I do hope she's a good Christian girl. (laughs) Then Nick gets a call from Eleanor, of course. They are still in the cafe, mind you. Yeah, 30 seconds has passed. (laughs) Yes. And his mom is like, so are you bringing a girl like for Colin's wedding? And he tells her that they were just talking about that. And then he sees that other woman who clearly sent the photo everywhere leave. Mm -hmm. Eleanor tells him that his room is all made up for him. For him. Mm. Bold underline (laughs) italics. For you. Yeah. Nick tells her that he and Rachel plan to stay together. Yeah, his mom doesn't want her staying there. It's really clear. She's like, I'm having the house redone. It's not ready for company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rachel would be more comfortable staying somewhere else. The tension. So the next thing we know, Rachel and her mom, Carrie, go shopping for a new dress for Rachel to wear to meet Nick's family in. And Carrie picks out this red dress and insists that she wear red because it symbolizes good fortune and fertility. <laughs> And Rachel's like, oh, my God, Mom. Like, I don't even know anything about Nick's family. Like, he always changes the subject. And Carrie's like, oh, well, maybe he's embarrassed because his family is poor and he has to send them money. Um, Because that is very common with a lot of, like, Chinese children who, like, go abroad or whatever. They usually, like, send money back home. She couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah, literally could not (laughs) be further from the nose. And she tells Rachel that she's going to have a great time in Singapore because she's always wanted to go to Asia. And maybe if everything goes well, Mm. she might come back with a ring. And Rachel's like, oh, my God, mom. Like, we haven't even talked about that. It's been like a year. I feel like that would come up at some point. Yeah. And she's like, besides, his parents can't not like me, right? And Carrie's like, well... She's like, got a blast. (laughs) Hate to break it to you, but um, him bringing you there really is a big deal. Like, that means a lot. And Nick's parents, they're different. And she's like, we're not different. Like, we're both Chinese. And Carrie is like, yeah, but you grew up here. Your face is Chinese and you speak Chinese. But in your head and in your heart, you're different. There is a really big... I mean, I can't relate to being a part of an Asian family, but, mm-hmm. like, having an immigrant, like, um, parent mm-hmm. definitely is, like, even though my mom is, like, white, definitely has different, like, traditions and just outlook yeah. on a lot of things. Totally. And I think, like, they mention it in here, too, where it's, like, ha- is it's, like, more family-centric in, like, mm-hmm. different areas. And absolutely, like having your parents' approval for marriage and, like, their say in marriage and stuff like that is, like, so true Mm -hmm. and real. Oh, yeah. I feel like American culture is a lot more individualistic and less community-focused. Yeah. Um, And you can really see how that clashes with other cultures, for sure. Absolutely. So they get to the airport. Rachel's like, okay, I have – 
the game plan all mapped out. We're going to go to the gate. Once we get checked in, we'll check our bags and then we can eat one of the three prepared meals my mom (laughs) sent for us. And it's so cute. But Mm -hmm. a flight attendant comes over out of nowhere and it's like, welcome to Singapore Airlines, Mr. Young. Like, right this way. We'll get your bags. Don't worry about that. We'll get you all checked into first class. And Rachel's like, I'm sorry, you have something wrong. Um, <laughs> we fly economy, actually. Yeah. We're, we're economy people. And um, Nick is like, oh, just go with it. At that point, Christina, at that yeah. point, I would say, the fuck? <laughs> the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They have, like, three men carrying their bags for them. It's pretty insane. Um, mm-hmm. In the in the book, it's Singapore Airlines, um, but Singapore Airlines declined to appear in this film. So it's, yeah, like, I a wonder fake – it's a fake airline, like, Pacific Asian airline or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, – I would recommend if you have never flown Singapore Airlines, I would recommend looking up what their uniforms look like because the the, um, flight attendants have some of the most beautiful uniforms. Oh, really? I've ever seen. Yeah, they're gorgeous. I'm going to look it up really quick. I'll post a photo on the story so you can all see. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah, it's like a top and Wow, I honestly wouldn't realize that that was like a flight attendant Mm -hmm. except for the fact that they have like – in this picture, they have, like, goggles yeah. and gloves and stuff. Yeah. Singapore Airlines is an incredible airline. I love flying with them. I recommend sponsor me. So they're welcomed aboard this, like, beautiful plane through, like, past the bar. They go into, like, their pods where they have, like, their own room, essentially. They call it their suite. Uh. And Rachel's like, Nick, we can't afford this. And he's like, oh, don't even worry about it. Like, my family. (laughs) 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 My family has business with the airline. Like, the tickets are a perk. Just doesn't even cross his mind. He's like looking at the, the menu. first class international <laughs> flight of 13 hours is a perk yeah it's very chill that's us yeah because <laughs> these tickets are so insanely expensive like thousands it must upon be thousands. thousands of dollars yeah. yeah insane and she's like okay what kind of business and he's like oh i don't know just like real estate investment whatever oh yeah yeah whatever <laughs> good <laughs> and she's like so your family is like rich and he says we're comfortable and she's like that's what a super rich person would say (laughs) and she's like you know it's not a big deal it's just kind of weird that i had no idea and he says that his family has money but he's always thought of it as theirs not his Mm -hmm. and she's like okay well i just kind of want to know what i'm walking into so nick kind of breaks down uh his family tree and tells her about his cousins Cut to Taiwan. Nick's cousin Alistair works in movies. He's dating Kitty Pong, this gorgeous actress. And she is in this like action movie he's making, absolutely rancid. Yeah. Her performance is terrible. And like the director or um, the camera operator, mm-hmm. I, I don't know their roles, they're like, can we fire this girl? <laughs> like, we need to recast this part. And they're just like, He's uh, he's funding the entire movie. So, <laughs> yeah. Then we have Eddie cut to Hong Kong. He is a finance guy, and Nick says a real family man. And he makes his family pose for this photo shoot for Vogue. 
And the photo, um, the photographer is like, why don't they move? Uh, it'll, it'll be more natural. And he's like, no, the, these are their optimal angles. And you look at the kids and the kids are literally like have a wooden airplane that they are holding still. Yeah. Like they Frozen. look like little statues. Yeah. After the photo shoot, he's like, you know, thank you so much. We're so excited. And he's like, uh, yes, like can't wait for you to see this in Hong Kong Vogue. And he's like, Oh, to his wife, he's like, you should have worn the Bottega gown. Then we would be in American Vogue. And you can tell he is like kind of, um, he's not the nicest family yeah. man. Oh, yeah. And his wife is like, you can wear that gown to hell, Eddie. So yeah. great relationship. So cut to um, <laughs> Shanghai. We meet Astrid and Rachel has met Astrid before. Nick says that he feels as though... Um, that's the cousin that he's closest to. And they grew up together. She graduated top of her class at Oxford, has started multiple charities, and is a fashion icon. But most importantly, she has one of she has one of the biggest hearts. And we see a clip of Astrid going to this very fancy jeweler. Mm. And she says hello to this little girl who's like trying to get her mother's attention. She asks her what, like, her stuffed animal's name is and just makes her feel really special. Mm -hmm. And then she goes into a back room (laughs) where she spots a pair of Burmese pearl drop earrings worn by a queen at her self-anointed coronation in the 1700s. And she's like, how much are those? (laughs) And he's like, well, having you wear it would be better than any publicity, so... I'll let them go at list cost. $1.2 million. $1.2 million hairs. Oh, my God. That's more doll hairs than I can count. (laughs) Truly. So back on the plane, Rachel is like, okay, so if you have all this family over there, why are we staying in a hotel? Aren't good Chinese sons supposed to stay with their parents? And he's like, well, I'm not that good of a son, and says that he just wants her all to himself for a little bit. And they and they're like lying down in their beds, like on this plane, and then they start oh my to gosh. like make out. It gets a little steamy. Do they join the Mile High Club? Maybe. Who knows? Ooh. I guess you know. I always thought when people said that, I'm like, how do you have sex in an airplane? Like the bathroom? Like it's not, it can't be discreet. Yeah. Yeah. But even the bathroom, I feel like is kind of monitored and it's where the flight attendants are. So I'm like, I guess it would be if you're in a suite Mm -hmm. or if you have a, an overnight flight and you like close a curtain. Yeah. But that's like the only way. It seems impractical on every level and also just kind of disgusting because those bathrooms are so dirty and gross and small. But if anyone if anyone's had a, had sex on a plane, DM us. Let how'd us you know. pull that off? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we land in Singapore, and Rachel arrives at the Singapore airline. They have like a butterfly garden in there. Changi Can you Airport. Elaborate? <laughs> yeah, Changi Airport is one of the best airports in the world. It is incredible. Um, there is a butterfly park. There is like a movie theater. There's like a spa. There's a million and one restaurants, shops, everything. They recently, like within the past couple years, opened up this new garden there with like a huge fountain that's really beautiful. It's like uh, 
stunning. It's crazy. And I think that the quote that she says, she's like, all JFK is is salmonella and despair or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they don't beef up the airport. It's like it could be yeah. even going to where did we arrive? The Orlando airport. It's just like simply like nicer. It it's like mm-hmm. brighter. It just feels like better. Yeah. <laughs> than like grimy old JFK. Yeah, New York airports are pretty pretty awful. Yeah. But the Singaporean airport amazing <laughs> and Araminta runs over to Nick. This is Colin's fiance. Colin follows shortly thereafter. They all greet each other. They have balloons. It's really a cute reunion. He's like so excited to see Nick after a while. So Colin introduces himself to Rachel and then they take their bags and they're off to see the beautiful country of Singapore. Yeah, we have this little montage. We get our first like Marina Bay Sands shot, which is... This, like, really iconic building in Singapore. It was built in, like, 2010, so it's pretty recent. And it's essentially three towers with a giant boat on top. I feel like you told me about this place when we were in college. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was like, a boat on top? And then when I watched it this time, (laughs) I saw, like, the shape of the, like, I was like, this is... The boat, like I get yeah. it now because I can see yeah. like the detail of it. Because from afar, it yeah. kind of just looks like a weird um, curvature thing, mm-hmm. like a modern design yeah. or something. Yeah, I remember when it was first built <laughs> and we were all like shitting on it. We were like, this building looks so fucking stupid. It's like three towers with a <laughs> boat on top. And now it's like the iconic building of Singapore. Yeah. But yeah, it's like a hotel slash casino there's also like a theater in there there's like a mall and stuff and also there's gardens by the bay which we see later on which has the giant um like light up trees it's called the super grove tree park um and one of them you can go up onto like and walk around these like ladders between them and get like a view up close of these like really tall trees and also one of them has a restaurant in um i think it's indochine wow yeah but it's very cool there's also there's two other kind of like parks as well there's like the cloud forest park and then there's also like a huge like floral greenhouse park i can't remember what it's called but that one the flower of the seas like will change based on season like in like may it'll be all tulips and then in like june it'll be all orchids and it's like really really gorgeous Mm -hmm. Something I always forget is that, like, Singapore is a tropical country, so there is, like, beautiful foliage, like, fauna. Greenery. Flora, fauna, greenery. Yeah. The flowers be blooming (laughs) 24-7, and it's- They do. All the photos I see are so pretty. Yeah. They also invest a lot in, like, keeping Singapore really green. Oh, yeah, and gum is illegal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, gum is legal. (laughs) I remember us having that conversation a lot. (laughs) Yeah, you can you can chew it. You just can't buy it anywhere, and you can only bring Mm in is it three packages for personal use? Five, three or five. That's so funny because you always have a pack of gum with you. Yeah, because I couldn't have gum for like so many years that when I moved (laughs) to the U.S., I was like, I will have gum on me at all times, and I literally always have it. Um, but yeah, so if you like put your hand under a table in Singapore, there's no gum there. I love that. That's like, <laughs> it's like a dream. Yeah, it's a dream. 
But yeah, they, they drive through Singapore. We kind of see some of the sites and they end up going to a hawker center. So a hawker center is like an outdoor food court and it has like tons of different stalls. There's all these tables and stuff. And like every stall will kind of have their own style that they cook in, like whether it's like, oh, we have like Indian food or we have like Indonesian food or yeah. this is like a satay place or this is whatever. So we kind of see like a sampling of all these different hawker stalls. And um, there are actually some that Nick mentioned. He's like, oh, yeah, some of them have Michelin stars, which is true. There are like yeah. hawker stalls that have um, Michelin stars. And some of the foods that we see is like satay. We see some char kway tiao. We see some prata. We see ice kachang, which is a dessert. Is the shaved ice? Yeah, it's shaved ice that they'll put like different um, food, like fruit flavoring in it. And also like yeah. creamed corn or like red beans. So Ooh. it's a very interesting flavor. If you're not used to it, you might not like it. It's an acquired taste. But yeah, this part always makes me emotion because I will die on this hill. Singapore has the best food in the world, hands down. It is so good. I miss it so much. Another detail that we get to see is we see Araminta buying a little packet of tissues from an auntie. And that is like a thing that you do to reserve your table is you put a packet of tissues oh. on the table. It's called to like chop the table, like C-H-O-P-E. You like chop the table. It's yours. And nobody will go sit there because you've reserved it. Wow. The respect. <laughs> so yeah, there will always be like aunties around at the hawkers selling a packet of tissue. But yeah, they get a ton of food. They're eating some satay. It looks so good. And um, Colin asks Nick if he can help him with some like groomsmen stuff tomorrow and mentions that one of his groomsmen is going to be Bernard Tai. And apparently Bernard used to beat up Colin when they were kids. Like he was a bully. He would steal his tuck shop money. Um, a tuck shop is like a little shop that you have on your school campus that sells like snacks and stuff. And one day Nick punched him and then ended up like falling on his ass and they kind of tell these childhood <laughs> stories and they toast to Nick and Araminta's like, yes, into married life. Oh my gosh. She then scoots over to Rachel and is like, Rachel, I know we've only just met, but my bachelorette party is this weekend and I would love for you to come. She's like, oh, my God, that would be amazing. And she's like, you know, I can't remember the last time I saw Nick like this. And Nick is just, like, smiling oh and in his element. He's drinking some tiger beer, like, Carefree. feeling incredible. And Rachel's like, oh, he's just happy to be home. And Araminta's like, yeah, with you. Mm -hmm. And, like, they have a little moment and they all just, like – cheers and laugh and eat together it's a great scene i will say though because at one point nick is like this is the best satay on the island the hawker center that they go to is called newton it's a very touristy place no like local grill them, grill them. <laughs> no local singaporean boy is saying that the best satay in singapore is at newton absolutely not um but it is like very visually appealing, so I get why they filmed there. But yeah, if you ask me, I would have gone with East Coast Lagoon Center, but that's 
Just my taste. Shout out to East Coast <laughs> Lagoon Center. Yeah. The next thing we see is that, that just this gorgeous montage of um, shots of Singapore and Nick is driving. They're like, I think they're in like some sort of like a jeepy yeah, type a of Jeep. car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so cute. Rachel's just like holding onto Nick and yeah. they're driving down the highway. So cute. And... Who do we see next but Cousin Astrid? Mm -hmm. She arrives home after her $1.2 million shopping spree and more, actually, because she has, like, Prada (laughs) bags and, like, all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. And um, she's like, is my husband home yet? And she hands her bags to the maids and just says, like, you know what to do. (laughs) They hide all of her shopping before he gets back. And she goes to her son's room. Meanwhile... Her husband comes home finally. He takes a shower. He is very ripped. Yes. Um, He's a very fit man. Mm -hmm. And he apologizes for getting stuck in a meeting. And Astrid is like, oh, that's totally fine. Just remember, next week we have all the wedding festivities, so don't have any emergency meetings then. And Michael's like, I wouldn't dream of missing a second with your family. Super rude. Off the Unnecessary. Jump, piss poor attitude. Piss poor <laughs> attitude. Astra tells him that he'll like Nick's new girlfriend. And he's like, oh, why? Because she's a commoner like me. Jeez. And she's like, that's not what I was talking about. And then he mentions how he saw their maids trying to hide a pair of like Jimmy Choo's. He's like, you can buy whatever you want. Like everyone knows you wear the money pants in the family. And I'm like, how old is your son? Like, you have, this is too unresolved for how long you've been together. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I did get you a new watch to celebrate the start of your, the start of your startup. (laughs) Um, And he tells her that he loves it and he thanks her. He's like gritting through his teeth. He's like, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. She also mentions that he used to be, an officer or he yeah he was a captain in the army yes so that was like his background mm-hmm. he's super insecure oh definitely his masculinity is just so threatened by this woman so the next morning 8 a.m bright and early wow nick and rachel no jet lag whatsoever they're staying at the raffles hotel which is a very very nice very fancy hotel in singapore and nick is like oh i have to go and help colin with wedding stuff and she's like yeah i'm gonna go meet up with my old roommate peg lynn today he's like oh and don't forget we have dinner at my ama's tonight which is his grandmother and rachel's just like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah 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 because all she can focus on is her hot boyfriend snatched a little bod bod. standing across the room and she's like hubba hubba ooga ooga and he like gets on her and they have a little moment rachel's so funny yeah She's, like, a really likable, delightful character. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think she's, like, such a great protagonist for us to follow along with. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, really likable and uh, relatable, but she doesn't give off, like, that manic pixie dream girl Mm -hmm. vibe. Totally. Which is nice to see. Like, she just feels, like, like somewhere in the middle between. It's like, wow, this character's, like, so perfect, and this character's, like, deeply flawed. Mm -hmm. They did a really great balance of, like – um, rounding out her character. Oh yeah, she feels like such a. She feels like a normal person. Like she feels like 
Like a, friend, a real girl. Yeah, like a friend that you would grab a coffee with. Yeah. So where does Rachel go? To visit Peck Lynn, of course. And Peck Lynn lives in a giant mansion with like a yeah. wrought gold gate <laughs> out front in a in a fountain. It's like mm-hmm. absolutely insane. Peck Lynn, aka Aquafina, comes out to greet her. She is just like super funny and she's in this like short blonde wig and they're greeting each other. They're saying hi when her mother comes out and she's like, oh my God, it's so hot out here. Like come in, enjoy the air con, like please. (laughs) So they all go in and sit down for lunch and Mr. Go thanks Rachel for helping his daughter in college and he like starts off with a super thick accent Mm -hmm. and He's like pronouncing things very slowly. And then he's like, just kidding. Like, I studied in the US. Which, okay. If you grew, if you're like born and raised in Singapore and you have a Singaporean accent and you go to school for like four years in the US, that doesn't automatically give you an American accent. Like, that's simply not how it works. I guess I thought they were implying that maybe he went like to boarding school or something. Well, because he's like Cal State Fullerton. So he went to like university there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think because th- these characters in the book like don't have American accents like they have Singaporean accents. I think oh, okay. that um, these two characters are f- – more American Americanized for an American audience mm-hmm. because like Paiklin especially is kind of supposed to be like the quintessential like Singaporean rich girl like more so new money instead Paiklin in this is very much like an American character she doesn't read as like a Singaporean girl um I think that's to cater to American audiences I definitely got the like new money aspect yeah that was like super clear from yeah the casual way her family acts (laughs) as opposed to like nick's family Mm -hmm. yeah but they're all like super super nice like her mom and her dad are really funny of course like um what's the actor's name who plays her father ken jong yeah he's really funny yeah great comedian so mr go is like rachel you know what do you do and she's like oh i'm an economy professor and He's like, wow, that's crazy. Like, you both went to the same school, and one of you got a degree that's useful, and the other came back as an Asian Ellen. (laughs) (laughs) And then Mr. Go tries to, like, get his son to hit on Rachel. He's like, this is the kind of woman you should be aiming for. (laughs) This should be your, like, goal woman. And he, like, waves to her. It's so weird. And Pecklin is like, you know, Rachel is here for a wedding with her boyfriend and he's like, I don't see a ring on her (laughs) finger. They start talking and it gets to her saying that her boyfriend is Nick Young. (gasps) And they're all shook. They're like, you're going to Colin Koo's wedding? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. And Mr. Go explains that the Koo's and the Young's are a huge deal They're the biggest developers across Asia, and the wedding is the event of the century. So Miss Go asks what the family is like, like she wants all the hot goss, and Rachel is like, well, I mean, I'm going to go to Nick's grandma's tonight, and the the girl gets roasted for her lucky envelope color outfit. (laughs) 
Mr. Goes like, yeah, it's a lucky color when it's an envelope. Like yeah. <laughs> she gets decimated. Yeah. For those that don't know, that's a reference to Hongbao, which are like the red envelopes that you put money in for Chinese New Year. But Peg Lin takes this opportunity to bring Rachel into her walk-in closet. Oh my God, her closet. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. And she's like, these people are a different level of rich. This is how I felt going to NYU. <laughs> yeah. These people are a different level yeah. of rich. <laughs> she's like, there's new money all over Asia, the Beijing billionaires, the Taiwan tycoons, but the Young family, they're old money rich. They had money when they left China in the 1800s, and they went all the way down here. They came to Singapore when it was nothing but jungle and pig farmers, and there was a snake here eating an apple. <laughs> and they built all of this, and now they're the landlords of the most expensive city in the world. They're so posh and snobby, they're snoshy. And Rachel's like, well, Nick isn't like that. And Piglin is like, if he's not, I guarantee the family will be. So tonight, you need to not look like Sebastian from The Little Mermaid. Pecklin drives Rachel to the young family mansion, and she's like, oh, this is my one chance to see it. Like, she's super excited. Mm -hmm. And they go down this, like, really dark – what's the word when it's, like, turny? It's twisty turny. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they go down a, a driveway. It's, like, twisting and turning. Mm -hmm. And it's dark. She's like, did you put in the right address? And she's like, yeah, I gave you the right address. And she's like, did you copy and paste it? They drive up and see these two armed guards mm -hmm. with, like, big guns. Yeah. Big guns. Eventually they do, like, get in. Get let in? Yeah. They get let in. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just an insanely beautiful mansion which is in malaysia yeah there is simply not enough room <laughs> in singapore for like this amount of real estate because like singapore is very small you can get from one end of the island to the other mm -hmm. in like 30 minutes so space is 30 minutes yeah Whoa. to go like north to south yeah like 30 minutes east to west maybe is it like smaller than 40? new york city oh yeah oh shit i'm pretty okay. sure it's smaller mm, including the boroughs Okay, so like Manhattan and the surrounding Yeah, no, boroughs. it's definitely not. It's not smaller than Manhattan, but. Okay. Yeah, it is small. It can fit into like London a couple of times. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so having like a house, not like living in an apartment is already like a huge, like you're doing very well. So to have like this amount of space. Wild. It's like hard to even get across how much this would cost like millions upon millions upon like hundreds of millions of dollars absolutely so they they shot it in at like a house in malaysia oh yeah so they see this gorgeous mansion mm -hmm. and nick emerges from the house looking amazing oh my gosh uh, super gorgeous and he opens the car door to help rachel out like a gentleman and he's like I feel like I've just fallen in love with you all over again. And they kiss. And Pecklin is like, <clears throat> he improvised that line. Huh? He improvised that line. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good for it. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> like, I love that. It's for incredibly you. cheesy. Incredibly cheesy, but he pulls it off. He pulls it off really well. Yeah. Pecklin gets their attention. And Rachel's like, ah, yes, like this is my roommate from college, Pecklin. 
And he's like, oh, thank you so much for bringing Rachel. Like, if you'd like to come in for dinner, you're more than welcome. She's like, oh, I have dinner plans. And he's like, really? It's no problem. He's like, I I, I possibly couldn't. He's like, "Uh, we don't mind at all. Fuck yeah, I'll come to dinner. (laughs) And like jumps out of the car and goes around to her trunk and pulls out her cocktail dress which is in a garment bag along with like it's like partying dress cocktail dress like this dress Mm -hmm. and goes in to change Mm -hmm. upstairs so they walk into the house nick explains because she's like i thought this was to just be dinner and he's like oh well my grandmother invited some friends over because the tan hua's are blooming tonight it's a whole thing they enter this gorgeous house. Some friends. This is like a hundred person yeah. party. Everyone is like in gowns. There's like live music. There's waiters passing food and drinks around. Which I would be so upset mm-hmm. if my boyfriend asked me to come over for dinner mm-hmm. and everyone was in a gown mm-hmm. and I didn't know that. And I was in like, yeah, not even a cocktail dress, but just like a, like a sundress or mm-hmm. some fucking like random shit. Yeah. I would be I would be livid. So pissed off. Yeah. And this is this is just one of the many moments that Nick does not think to prepare this poor girl for what she's walking into. And it's just like you you know your family, like you know this world and you're not going to give her even the heads up of like, "Hey, maybe wear something nice to dinner." Like I get <laughs> him not wanting to reveal everything because he's afraid that she's going to see him in a different mm-hmm. light, like that's understandable, but just prepare the girl like, Jesus Christ, you're fucking her yeah. over. Give her a dress code. <laughs> it's black tie. Yeah. Thanks for letting me know, yeah. King. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So Rachel is obviously in disbelief by how beautiful and extravagant this house is. And she ends up seeing this giant like taxidermy tiger. And Nick tells the story about how his great-grandfather shot the tiger when it ran into the house. And uh, tigers, actually, they used to be native tigers in Singapore, but they were hunted to extinction. Oh. And I think the last one was shot in, like, the 30s, I want to say. That's awful. I read that they actually, like, imported this, and it was a sculpture. Mm -hmm. And they almost didn't make it through customs because they thought it was, like, real. Yeah. And they only managed to get it the night before this was shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Back to the movie, Rachel then suggests that they go and join the party, but Nick is like, actually, I want to introduce you to my mother first. So... They go to the kitchen where Eleanor is painstakingly overseeing every cook and chef. Mm -hmm. She immediately tells Nick that he needs a haircut and that he looks tired and that she's going to have like the chef make him some tea. And Nick is like, I would like to introduce you to Rachel. And I, this is like pretty bold because I wouldn't even do this. She goes up and hugs Eleanor. And is like, I am so thrilled to meet you, Mrs. Young, or auntie. Like, I'm still learning the language. (laughs) And let me just tell you, Eleanor is not in the happy, Mm -hmm. goofy mood. Mm -hmm. She is not in a silly, goofy mood at all. No. (laughs) Eleanor is, like, very poised. She says that she's glad to meet her. And she apologizes that her husband is away on business. Nick says that Rachel is a professor at NYU. And she's the youngest faculty member. 
So Eleanor asks Rachel if her parents are also academics. And Rachel is like, well, my dad died before I was born, but my mom didn't go to college. She tells her that she barely spoke English when she moved to the U.S., but she worked really hard and like learned English, became a real estate agent, and now she says that she's Flushing's top real estate broker, which I found very endearing. Yeah. Like It's so clear she loves her mom and cares about her. Oh, yeah. She's so proud of her. Yeah. Absolutely. And Eleanor is like, ah, a self-made woman. She must be so proud of her daughter. And Rachel's like, you know, my mom always wanted me to follow my passion. And Eleanor says that pursuing one's passion is very American. And her mother is far more open-minded than the parents here who are obsessed with shaping the lives of their children. And she's like, at me, myself, and I. Yeah. So... The gong rings for dinner, and Eleanor sends them out. She's like, go eat. Like, Rachel, it was lovely meeting you. And as they leave, Rachel's like, okay, so she hates me. (laughs) And Nick is like, oh, no. It just, like, takes her a moment to, like, warm up. Liar. 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 (laughs) Lying. Lying alert. (laughs) So they go into the party. They run into Astrid and, like, Rachel meets Michael. Then Eddie and his wife Fiona come up. He like doesn't even let his wife get a word in, and he's just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like so obnoxious. He's like, "Oh, you know Astrid and her little toy soldier boy Mikey. If you ever forget your password, like he can reset it for you. He's our tech guy." And Michael is like, "Can I just punch him in the face one time?" And Nick is like, "Yeah, take a number." Everyone hates Eddie. Yeah, and um. Astrid pulls Nick aside and she's like, so have you prepped Rachel to face the wolves? And Nick says, oh, Rachel's a New Yorker. She lectures millennials for a living. She can handle the family. Bro. Dude. You know your family. Like, you know what this is going to be. He's like, everyone's going to fucking hate her. She can handle (laughs) that. She lectures millennials. What? (laughs) Ridiculous. And Astrid is like, you've been away for too long, clearly. So Nick then steals Rachel away from Eddie, and Eddie is still trying to figure out, like, what Chu family she's from. He's, he's like – He's like the vacuum cleaner Chews. The packing peanut Chews. The packing peanut Chews, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then she's walking away. He's like, Rachel, Chu, are you? And his wife is just like, fucking hate this dude and walks away. So we got a montage of Nick introducing Rachel to his family friends – Again, super uptight. They judge her mother for being single. And I'm like, first of all, how do you even, what intel are you getting? And one woman comes up to them. She's super nice. She's like, oh, when are you getting married? And Rachel responds to her in Mandarin, assuming that she's Nick's grandmother, and says, thank you for inviting me into your home. And Nick is like, this is my old nanny, Ling Che. Humiliation. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Does that get spread around immediately? Absolutely. 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 So then we cut to Michael, who's like in the corner taking a business call at the party. Astrid comes up. She's like, I brought you a plate of your favorites. Lovely woman. So kind. Yeah. She's just, she radiates like warmth and loveliness. And they sit down on this couch together and she's like, well, if you need more bodies at the office, like I can always come in and help. And he's like, 
the glamorous Astrid Leong, like, working as a receptionist? I don't think so. Rude. He then gets up to go and get a fork for his dinner. And as he walks away, his phone rings. So she's like, oh, Michael, it could be the office. He's too far away, though. He doesn't hear. So she looks at the phone, and it's a text from a woman saying, the bed feels lonely without you. And at that point, I would say, dead. <laughs> You're dead. He's dead. Mm-hmm. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, though. Like, I mean, to fathom it, which I've never been in the situation, mm-hmm. I can't imagine having to make a call like that while having a kid. Yeah. It's like really just so, so difficult. I, yeah, I I don't envy anyone who's been in that position. Yeah. Yeah. That, that being (laughs) said, rate, cut back to Rachel, who's having the most superficial problem ever. (laughs) And she's like, I'm so embarrassed from like meeting your nanny and thinking she was your ama. And she goes to the bar with Nick immediately fucking <laughs> spills a drink on his shirt and i'm like stop typing girl take a breather that's when oliver nick's cousin comes over and he's like oh i'll keep rachel company like you just go upstairs and change and pecklin comes over having heard about rachel's mix-up but oliver says you know on the bright side you're the talk of the party people love your dress and pecklin is like oh that was me <laughs> Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, it's like a disco Cleopatra in a good way. They're just getting along swimmingly. Mm-hmm. He tells Rachel that he's one of the poorer cousins in the young family and the rainbow <laughs> sheep of the family. Yeah. he. Oh, he likes fashion. He's gay. Yeah. yeah. Surprise, surprise. That. <laughs> it's just a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. So he says that he makes himself useful and whatever the youngs want, he helps them procure. So he's like, you know, golden koi fish, a rare Cambodian gong. And Rachel's like, why would they need a rare Cambodian gong? And then we hear the rare (laughs) Cambodian gong being struck. Take it away. (laughs) Take it away. So back upstairs, Nick is looking through his closet for a shirt when Eleanor comes in and she's like, oh, yeah, Emma insists on your clothes being washed and pressed every two weeks. She then picks out a shirt and Nick says that everything is exactly like he left it. So this is his like childhood bedroom that he grew up in. Yeah. And Eleanor says that Emma won't pack up his things because having them around makes it feel like he's still here. And apparently Eleanor got an earful last year when Nick was supposed to move back but didn't. Mm. And she's like, you know, maybe if you came back, your dad would take a day off every once in a while. But Nick is like, no, there are things in New York that I want to see through. Oh, my God. Who could he be talking about? And Eleanor is like, you know, I'm just so happy that I met Rachel. She's very impressive. That's like a weird thing where on the one hand, I'm like, your dad is expecting you to pull some weight around mm-hmm. here. So like, shit or get off the pot. Over the company. Yeah. yeah. Big succession energy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not going to do it, you at least need to be f- upfront yeah. so that you can have a protege and, yeah. like, not lose his family business. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So that is that is an interesting thing where it's, like, 
which I'm literally only thinking about now in real time, that he went to an American university and now he has this American way of thinking where he's like, I don't need to come back. Mm -hmm. Like I can pursue my own passions. Mm -hmm. I can pursue Rachel. Maybe I don't have to take over the family business. And it's basically those ideals that his mother is like so Mm -hmm. vehemently against. Oh yeah. It's, it's that push and pull between the two cultures and you can, you can see that's like even Astrid's like, you've been away for too long. Like it's clear that his line of thinking has very much shifted um, from all the expectations of his upbringing. So Nick tells his mom that he hoped that she'd be happy that the first girl he ever brought home was a Chinese professor. And Eleanor says, Chinese American, making a big distinction (laughs) there. And um, Eleanor is like, you know, bringing Rachel all the way over here, introducing her to everyone. Some people might be talking. And he's like, well, if there's anything to hear, you'll be the first to know. Biggest lie ever, but go off, King. Mm -hmm. Attention podcast listeners and YouTube watchers. I'm Logan, the host of Mostly Superheroes, a weekly pursuit for the world's best stories with an emphasis on live action superhero stuff. Every week, join me, PC Mike, The Giggler, Scotty Scoop, and Carrie as we talk MCU, DCU, books, TV, movies, and more. MostlySuperheroes.com is where you want to be. Watch us on YouTube, listen where you get your podcasts, and we'll see you Monday, Sunday on Patreon. Enjoy the rest of the show. Back to the Tanhuas. Ama has these beautiful flowers, and the party migrates outside um, to this gorgeous, like, greenhouse area. And Alex and Felicity inform everyone that the Tanhuas plants rarely bloom and only at night. They usher everyone into the conservatory to see them. Meanwhile, Rachel and Peck Lynn walk with Oliver, and Rachel asks if everyone is staring at her. And Oliver's like, oh, they're just jealous. Nick is the crowned prince. He's Emma's favorite, and basically in line to inherit everything. So they walk up to the conservatory where Eleanor brings Emma in. And Nick joins Rachel and brings her over to meet his grandma. So I'm holding my breath at this point. Yeah. I'm like, what's going to happen here? Ama is like thrilled to see Nick after so long. She asks if he's eaten because he's too skinny, like typical grandma mm-hmm. conversation. And then he introduces Rachel and she says, Ama, thank you for inviting me to your home. And Nick always talks about you. He says, no one in the world makes better dumplings. Mm -hmm. Emma's like, oh, I can show you how to make them. And says that they must come back to visit her again soon uh, when there aren't so many craning Mm. necks around. Fucking nosy ass. Fucking gossips out here. Yeah. (laughs) So they admire the flowers in full bloom. And Jacqueline says to Eleanor that Nick seems different. Mm. And... She says when children are away from home for too long that they forget who they are. Wow. And after this family event, where are we going? To a freaking... The bachelor party. Okay. But back to the bachelor party. So there's this fucking insane pregame situation happening at an airport 
airplane hangar. hangar. Yeah. Yeah, an airplane hangar for chartered, like, PJs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nick and Rachel show up. Araminta, who the first time we see her is, like, wearing pajamas. Like, so chill. No yeah. makeup on. She's a regular gal. She walks up in this sparkly gold jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, my God, Rachel, I love your gap look. It's so cute. And Rachel's like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. And Araminta's like, yeah, so – We're flying to my mother's resort in Sumatra. We're going to have like a weekend, all the gals together. It's going to be amazing. Where is Sumatra? Do you know? Indonesia. Oh, fuck. Okay, go off. (laughs) Yeah. So then Bernard Tai shows up in his like giant Jeep with all these like women and stuff. Man is coked up. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Basically, Colin is like, all I wanted was like a chill weekend with the boys, maybe some beer, maybe some rugby. And Bernard is like, this is for you, asshole. And it's just complete debauchery. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel is then at like the bar grabbing a drink when she meets Amanda Ling, who is Jacqueline's daughter. And she introduces herself and she's like, oh, my God, you're Rachel Chu. You're Nick's friend. And she's like, yeah. Oh, I heard you were a professor at NYU. And Rachel's like yeah that's true what about you what do you do (laughs) apparently she's the general counsel for the young family corporation and rachel's like wow that's very impressive and amanda's like oh no it's just old-fashioned nepotism like something i do sorry i cut you off mid-sentence please continue nick and colin and i we all grew up together we're family friends i was gonna say is that like something i really appreciate about the movie too is that um even though they're like these super rich people Mm -hmm. Eleanor is, you know, she is, like, a homemaker, mm-hmm. but she is also really powerful. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Amanda is a lawyer, mm-hmm. although Eleanor doesn't, like, vibe with the whole, like, follow your passion, you're a professor, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, they're still really, really powerful oh, women, totally. and I think that that's just, like, really great to see, like, women in power. Mm-hmm. That's all I was going to say. Yeah, no, I I do feel like all of the people that really hold power in this movie are the women. Like, the men are kind of just, like, off doing They're toiling whatever. Away. Yeah. <laughs> and these women They're are, like... They're, like, bee-boo-hee-boo <laughs> on the keyboard. Yeah, and these women are, like, the mental warfare, the mind games. I hold your societal status in the palm of my hand. It's, like... For real. Crazy. So Araminta then pulls up on a golf cart and Rachel and Amanda are like, okay, let's do this. They're like new pals. She's like, get in, ladies. So yeah, Rachel's made a friend. For now. For now. Bachelor party. They, (laughs) we see on the screen in big, bold letters, international waters. (laughs) And let me tell you. They are in international (laughs) waters. They are in a helicopter. Mm -hmm. Bernard is like any old guy could throw a bachelorette party, you know, booze, women, a party. But it takes a real mastermind (laughs) to do this. And they look over and it's a gigantic yacht, a gigantic yacht. Like I'm talking about a yacht. It's like a a shipping container. It's like a cruise line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's like Collins ballin' bachelor party on it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And so yeah. they, I'm assuming, like, are gonna land on a helipad, like, on the yacht. Mm-hmm. And later on that evening, the guys are talking. They're like, 
you know, Nick, you don't have to, who says this? Eddie. Yeah. Eddie is like, Nick, you don't have to keep Rachel happy. She's just lucky to be here. And Colin's like, that's nice. And Eddie defends himself. He's like, don't pretend like Colin Aramint is adorable, but your father wouldn't have spent millions of dollars on your wedding if her family didn't own a billion dollar resort chain. And Bernard gets their attention like in the midst of this conversation and is like, it's massage time. And the crowd is like just egging him on. And Colin is like, Nick, I need to get out of here. Like we have to get off of this ship. Yeah, and when Eddie is like, oh, what does Rachel bring to the table? And Alistair is like, ooh, small tits. And Nick is like about to fight him. He looks so hot when he's angry. <laughs> like, oh my God, defend my honor, please. Thank you. Like, I don't condone fighting unless it's to defend me. Yeah. I don't condone <laughs> fighting unless it's because you're so in love with me that you need to beat someone up. And it's like, hey, look at me. Don't look at him. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. How fucking tragic. The meme that's like, I want to date a mentally unstable like um, firecracker just so I can say like, look at me, look into my eyes. Like, this, this isn't, isn't you. you. <laughs> this isn't you. Look at me. Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, very different energy on Samsara Island. It is the bachelorette party and Araminta is like, this weekend is all about sisterhood and finding our bliss. And that begins with an all-expenses-paid shopping spree wow. at the fashion boutique, which is, like, timed for some reason. Like, Araminta has, like, a stopwatch. I think she's just, like, doing this for her own amusement. Oh, for sure. Just, like, all these friends are her playthings. And everyone is, like, fighting over these dresses and stuff. And let me tell you. I would be in there fucking elbowing bitches' nose drops. I would be fighting for my goddamn life in that fashion boutique, for sure. And Amanda's like, oh, yeah, nobody loves free stuff like rich people. So freaking true. So true. Rachel has just picked out one dress for herself. She doesn't want to lose an arm. And Amanda's like, oh, let me get you the finishing touch and puts this little necklace on her. And she's like, well, isn't Nick a lucky guy? Wow. The necklace is full of poison. <laughs> and then Araminta's like, all right, guys, next stop, spa. And everyone screams oh. and runs to the spa. So cut to Rawa Island. <laughs> I had to just take a breath before I say this. Nick is like... <laughs> Nick says... I guess that pilot's license really came in handy, huh? We see this fucking helicopter on a rock. On a rock. My man flew them off of the yacht to this island, yeah. okay? And they're just, like, hanging out together, having some brewskis. Yeah. Colin's like, you know, you're my best friend. Because this is the kind of bachelor party he actually mm, wanted. Yeah. And he says that if he didn't find Araminta, like, he'd have to marry him. And Nick is like, well, actually, I wouldn't be able to marry you because ba-bam and shows him this amazing rock that he has picked out for Rachel <gasps> because he's going to fucking propose. Oh, my God. So we cut back to Rachel. She is getting, like, a massage right next to Amanda. And Amanda's like, oh, you know... I can see why Nick put off coming back to Singapore. 
like in reference to Rachel and talks about how he's supposed to come back last year, take over the family business, and his parents freaked out when he didn't. But he's back now, so all must be forgiven. And Rachel's like, well, he is not back for good. We're just here for a wedding. And Amanda's like, mm-hmm. You sure about that? Literally. Cut back to Rawa Island. Colin is still shocked, but clearly, like, he's not saying all of his thoughts. Mm-hmm. So Nick is like, you know, what's up? What what are we what are you thinking? And Colin is like, Well, it wasn't that long ago that you were sure you were moving back home. And Rachel loves her job in New York, but Nick is in Loveland mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh no, we're gonna figure it all out. Colin isn't convinced. Yeah. So back at the spa, Amanda tells Rachel that it's hard knowing where you stand with Nick because he has so much pressure from his family about the business, about who he's dating. You just never know what's going on in that gorgeous head of hair of his. That gorgeous little like Yeah, and that, that like beautiful head of hair and the body and his gigantic cough. Yeah. <laughs> you just never know. And she's like, Oh, Nick told you we were together, right? Asshole. <laughs> Once again, why would you not give the girl a heads up? Be like, just so you know, this weekend that you're going to, my ex is going to be there. Her name's Amanda. And my rich family and people who aren't going to like you just because of your background. But no, he's like, oh, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. Throw her in the water. Yeah. And Amanda's like, oh, you know, it's ancient history, but... You know, his mom always wanted us to get married. I guess we just weren't ready then. Rachel's uh, literally about to throw up. Mm-hmm. Colin says that his whole life, Nick has been the shining heir of the Young Corporation, and his family isn't going to accept anything less than that, unless <gasps> he is considering walking out on the business and leaving everything to his cousins, question mark. <gasps> and Nick is like, come on like i'm not walking out of anything like i met a girl i fell in love and i want to marry her and colin is like like you know it's not that simple Mm -hmm. and then amanda tells rachel that she admires the guts she has to come out here and face nick's family especially when eleanor isn't exactly in your corner just fucking yikes jab after jab the knife the knife goes in deeper and nick was supposed to move back to singapore Boom. Nick is my ex. Boom. His family fucking hates you. Boom. Boom. <laughs> and I'm like, Ama liked her. Yeah. Like, Mama's chill. Yeah. So Colin tries to get Nick to think about his relationship with Rachel and what it will be like because Nick is untouchable, but Rachel isn't. And if she becomes Mrs. Nicholas Young, every day is going to be a big struggle for her. And he's like, I don't know, man. Like, do you think Rachel is ready for that? Spoiler alert, she's not. Rachel gets up from her massage. She starts heading back to her room. Like, she's so upset by this, all these bombs that Amanda has dropped on her. And sneaky little Amanda texts her friend saying she's on the move. Hook, line, and sink her. And, like, as Rachel walks through the resort, she overhears these girls talking shit about her. And they're like, oh, yeah, I heard she said that Nick was a catch. And, like, 
Oh my god, is have you seen what she looks like? It's like she's never even heard of plastic surgery, and they're like, "What a thing to say!" Yeah, insane thing to say. Hasn't she ever heard of like altering her face with fucking Botox yeah. or something? He he he, hilarious. And so Rachel is in tears. She's like running back to her villa when she bumps into somebody, and it's sweet Astrid. And Rachel just like breaks down. So they go back to the villa. They're just like, you know, let's camp out here. But when Rachel goes to see her bed, I would actually be really fucked up over this. Oh, for sure. Because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, but there's a gigantic gutted fish on her bed. Mm -hmm. And it says, like, catch this, you gold-digging bitch. And just super fucking mean. And Astrid is like, let's call security. But Rachel's like, no. I don't want to give them the satisfaction. Yeah, it's it's heinous. I mean, not only is it shocking to see, but it's like so threatening. I mean, it's like kind of a callback to The Godfather when there's mm-hmm. the horse head in the bed. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Gosh, horrifying. It's also like so – I can't imagine, first of all, like a, a, so a brain that's like, yeah, let's do this to somebody. But also yeah. then you have to like go and actually do that to – well, you know what? They probably paid someone else to do it. As yeah. I'm saying it, they probably did not do it themselves. And it is a movie, but it is so like crazy to think that like a 30 year old woman did that because mm-hmm. it's so petty. Oh, for sure. For sure. But Astrid and Rachel, they decide to bury the fish together on the beach while like all the other ladies are dancing around and laughing and having a great time. And Rachel asks, Astrid how Araminta could have friends that are so mean and Astrid says that when you grow up with somebody you tend to make excuses for them and Rachel's like well I know that you probably didn't have to deal with like fish gutting psychos but how did you and Michael make it through all of this and Rachel asks if it at least gets better and Astrid is like of course but clearly something is wrong like Astrid is very much checked out And she ends up confiding in Rachel about Michael's affair. And the two of them just sit together on the beach and Rachel tells her that she's sorry and kind of like comforts her as they watch the waves crash. And it's a really sad moment, but it's also like a really nice bonding moment for the two of them, especially like for these two people who are feeling very much alone in their specific situations that they have each other to lean on. So the next day, Rachel and Nick reunite, and she tells them that she feels like uh, the villain in a soap opera and that Amanda told her that everyone feels like she's this evil girl that prevented him from moving back to Singapore. And Nick is like, you have every reason to be upset. She tells him about the fish and the gold digger graffiti, and she tells Nick that she doesn't even care about these girls or the crap that Amanda told her, but she's really upset that he hasn't told her anything. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's the fucking problem here. And Nick is like, you know, I made a mistake. Like, you don't care about my family or any of this stuff. And I just love who you are when you're with me. And like, he just didn't want any of that to change. We're here now. We'll get through it together. But she tells him that the fish was really gross <laughs> and that she buried it, which is funny because, mm-hmm. like, she can make light out of this ho- horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rachel just says that she wants to do something tonight with just him. 
And Nick is like, absolutely. But for now, like, let's go make some dumplings. So they all go to Amma's house. They're making dumplings together. They look so freaking good. I did order dumplings. Oh, yeah. While I was in the middle of watching this movie because I like I needed them in my soul. And I was literally going to cry if they were bad. Like I emotionally would not have been able to handle were it. Were they good? They were good. The dumplings were good. Okay, good. good yeah, good. I got some um, some shrimp hargau and then also like some pork and shrimp shumai. And they were very good. Nice. But Nick teaches Rachel the technique that Amma taught him for how to make dumplings. It's like you put the baby in the bed and you tuck, tuck, oh. tuck, and then you give it a kiss goodnight. It's very cute. Like the whole family is there. Everyone's just like having a great time. And Rachel asks if they learned when they were kids. And Astrid is like, oh, yeah, we didn't have a choice. And her mom says that they taught them so that they would know the blood, sweat, and tears that it went into feeding and raising all of them. They're kind of like joking around. And I think like Felicity says something in Cantonese or something uh, because Rachel doesn't understand it. And then they're like, oh, do you speak Cantonese? And she's like, no, it's just – Great seeing like all of you guys having fun together and joking around because growing up it was just me and my mom, so it was a little bit more lonely. And we can see that like Auntie Alex and Auntie Felicity are really warming up to Rachel Mm -hmm. and they're starting to like her. So Rachel tries to kind of engage Eleanor in conversation and she notices her giant engagement ring and she's like – huge. (laughs) <laughs> Eleanor, that ring is beautiful. Um, could you tell me about it? And everyone kind of like looks over to gauge Eleanor's reaction. And she's like, thank you. Nick's father had it made for me when he proposed. And Rachel asks how they met. And Nick explains that they met at Cambridge when they were both studying law. And Rachel's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were a lawyer. And she's like, no, I withdrew from university when we got married. Um, Because I chose to help my husband run a business and raise a family. And she says to Rachel, you know, it's nice that you admire our house and us making dumplings, but this doesn't just happen. It's because we know how to put family first instead of chasing passions. Uh. It's a tense moment. It's a very tense moment. But thank God Mm Amma comes in to break the ice and everyone gets up to greet her. And she, like, asked Rachel to come closer so she can get a better look at her, like, in the light of day. And she's like, oh, you have a very auspicious nose. And then Amma gets a glance at Eleanor's dumplings and immediately is like, Eleanor, these don't look very good. You've lost your touch. (laughs) How tragic. So we're seeing some parallels here. Later on, Rachel gets lost on the stairs. She's trying to remember where the bathroom is when Eleanor approaches her and she's like, you know, I'm glad I caught you. I feel I've been unfair. And Rachel's like, no, I apologize for making an assumption. And she says um, she didn't mean to offend her. And Eleanor is like, the truth is this ring was made because Amma wouldn't give her son the family ring because she didn't approve of me. And she didn't come from the right family. So Amma didn't think she'd make an adequate wife to her son. And Rachel's like, well, 
I mean, she came around, right? And Eleanor is like, it took many years and Amat had good reason to be concerned because she didn't know the work and sacrifices it would take. There were many days she wondered if she would ever measure up. But Eleanor says, having been through all of it, she knows this much. You will never be good enough. <gasps> Crazy. And the way that Michelle Yeoh like leans in and just in like that quiet, soft tone is like, you will never be enough. Ugh. I would crumble. I would crumble into a million pieces. It's like the it's like the Miranda Priestley effect where it's just like so quiet and restrained yeah. that makes it a million times scarier. She's like, I only know facts. And one of the facts I know is that you're never going to be good enough for my son. Yeah. Ugh. And also like the way that um, she physically makes like – Rachel takes some steps down the yeah, stairs yeah. At it throughout this conversation. Oh, my God. It's spooky. So as they drive back to the hotel, Rachel is very shaken by mm -hmm. this moment. And Nick is driving and he's like, you know, I know my mom can be tough, but there's nothing she wouldn't do for me. And then he tells Rachel that he actually grew up living with Amma. He didn't live in his mother's house growing up because Eleanor knew she wasn't the favorite. So she let Amma raise Nick so that he would be. What a sacrifice. Yeah, it's like an insane sacrifice. And um, I like that this kind of like reveal gets thrown in there because I know that Michelle Yeoh initially when she signed on, she didn't really like the script because it kind of painted Eleanor as just like a mean, cold hearted like bitch essentially. Yeah. But she knew that like this character, everything that she does comes from like this deep place of love. And mm -hmm. I think this is like a really nice way of showing that uh, struggle and sacrifice without cracking the, without like her having to crack the exterior, like because the information comes from someone else. Yeah. I think it was a nice touch. Yeah. But Rachel is completely shocked. And Nick is like, you know, I know it's hard to understand from the outside, but she did what she thought was best for the family. And it's just another reminder to Rachel that she is very much on the outside. Yeah. And it only heats up. Rachel and Pecklin get together and Rachel tells her about, you know, what Eleanor said. And Pecklin is like, okay, but did she say, you will never be good enough for my son? Or was it like, you, you will never be good <laughs> enough for my son? And she's like, it was the second one. <laughs> But Pecklin says Eleanor is badass and should probably give you a big check if you said you'd write, <laughs> leave Nick alone. Um, and Rachel's like, I don't know what to do. Nick worships her. And she's like, a, a $10 million check? I feel like she would write that. Um, <laughs> but she does say that it's typical for Chinese sons to worship their moms, like to, you know, be super devotive. Mm -hmm. And asks if a ma hates her too. And Rachel's like, oh, no, she said that I had, like, a discerning nose and, you know, she seems to like her. And, well, she's like, okay, well, that's great because Eleanor can't beat years of filial piety. So Rachel is like, should I skip the wedding? I don't want to cause any drama. And Pecklin is like, no, it's not about getting Eleanor to like you. It's about getting her to respect you because right now 
She thinks you're an undeserving, clueless, gold-digging, trashy, unrefined banana. Yellow on the outside, white on the inside. And Rachel's like, I get it. I know what a banana is. Please stop. (laughs) And she tells her that she is a super sophisticated, smart professor of game theory. So she needs to show off that side of her. And Rachel's like, you're right. Eleanor is trying to play a game of chicken, but she's not going to swerve. You're going to roll up to that wedding. You're going to be like, bok, bok, bitch. Yeah, I think she yells that like, chickens are bitches. And this old man like stares at them. She's like, sorry, uncle. <laughs> Which I don't know if I explained that, but in, in Singapore, like y- you either call someone like auntie or uncle as like a term of respect. Mm. So then what time is it? It's a montage time. Makeover time, baby. It's a makeover montage time. <sighs> My favorite kind. I love a freaking montage, okay? Yes. We love it. Yeah. And it's to um, a cover of Material Girl. It's amazing. Paiklin is like, I've been waiting to do this for so long. I think mm-hmm. we need an eyebrow triage, some eyelid tape, like all this stuff. What do you think? Pan over. Who's there with a whole glam team? Cousin Oliver. Oh, my gosh. He's like, you know what? It's about time somebody stood up to Auntie Eleanor, but not me. She can never know I was here. So (laughs) keep it on the DL. And we have this whole montage of Rachel trying on all these different gowns. Um, everybody's having a great time. Mr. Go even joins in, like tries to suggest a dress. It's a very fun montage. Meanwhile, all the guests are arriving for Colin and Araminta's wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wedding happens at Chimes, which is like an old, um, like former Catholic church in Singapore. It's like really beautiful. It's not really like a working church anymore. It's just like an event space. But Chimes also has this kind of like basement area with all these like shopping and restaurants and stuff. It's really beautiful. So I recommend just looking it up because it's gorgeous there. And it's very fancy. There's like paparazzi. People are being interviewed like a red carpet. It is truly the event of the season. Finally, Rachel's all done up. She arrives at the wedding chauffeured by Peck Lynn in like a chauffeur costume. <laughs> and she gets out in this fabulous gown. It's like a grayish, um, silvery tulle. And there are these butterfly appliques. And she looks just so high fashion and gorgeous. It's such a beautiful dress. Meanwhile, Astrid and Michael are on their way to the wedding. And he's like, oh, I'm going to have to fly out to Shenzhen on Monday because some of my investors are getting nervous. And she's like, but that's our son's birthday. Crazy. And he's like, yeah, I hate to miss it, but this is important. And she's like, more important than your son's birthday. Unless there's another reason that you're taking a trip. And she closes the divider to the driver. And she reveals that she knows about the affair. And she's like, I don't want to cause a scene. Let's just make it through the wedding and we'll deal with it after. And he gets pissed off at her. I can't stand this man. Infuriating. He's like, oh, you find out I'm having an affair and all you care about is not causing a scene. And she's like, well, do you want me to fucking yell at you? Like, what do you want? He's like, honestly, I wish you would. Like, 
you, you, oh, Astrid, you're always the most perfect, prettiest, richest girl in the room, and I'll never measure up to you, and I'm tired of having nothing I do matter, including the affair. And she's like crying, and she's like, of course what you do matters. How could you say that? And I'm like, this woman has done nothing but support him in every possible way. Oh, yeah, help him have a startup, like not want him to feel emasculated in any way. Mm. It's just crazy because he clearly has no empathy for her. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure she would love to cry and feel emotional. But because she has always been in the spotlight, like everything she does was put online. Like, yeah, she can't just be forthright with her feelings because that's going to be like plastered on every fucking news article. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just so heartbreaking that the nicest person in the movie is like being fucked over. Yeah. And this fucking dude is lecturing her after he had an affair. It's ridiculous. He, like a big baby, just makes the driver pull over and storms out of the car and slams mm-hmm. the door in her face. At the wedding, Eleanor and her friends look around the venue and someone says that the wedding cost $40 million and Felicity's like, we are Methodist. $20 million is our limit. Then they see Princess Intan and gossip about how she demanded a whole row to herself. And they finally see Rachel arrive. But I think Alex, like, doesn't even recognize her. They're like, oh, Felicity. Oh, Felicity looks over and she's like, who is that? And then Rachel gets closer to them and she says, hello. And Eleanor says, how lovely to see you. But our row is full. (laughs) And they walk off, but Alex actually whispers to her that she loves her dress. Mm -hmm. So Rachel's like, okay, bok, bok, bitch, and (laughs) decides to make a power move Mm -hmm. and introduce herself to Princess Intan. She says that she read her article in the Asian Economics Journal about microloans, and she feels like her critics missed the point. Like the microloans helped women and women lift up the economy. So they begin to engage in a conversation. And that's when a ma walks in with Astrid. Eleanor is like really surprised to see her because she doesn't come to these events usually. Cut to Colin. Colin is um, a little nervous, but Nick is like, you know, are you okay? And he says, yes, but Rachel isn't sitting with your family. And I'm like, you would not notice that on your wedding day, but... Mm. But sure, use Colin as a plot device. Um, (laughs) And Nick is like, "Uh, I don't blame her, but I thought she would be in the back laying low. And Colin is like, I think you've got Mm -mm. a fighter. She's a fighter. Um, They finally go out to the altar. Kina Granis sings, I can't (sighs) help falling in love. I start crying immediately. It's such a beautiful cover. This ceremony, it's like, so it begins with these cute, cute, cute flower girls and an adorable ring bearer. And they go down the aisle. And when the ring bearer actually reaches Nick, he like high fives him, which is really cute. And then Kina sings like a river flows and the aisle opens up and water begins to flow (sighs) down it. The lights go down. The audience has these like illuminated butterflies on these sticks that they all hold up. And it feels like she's like walking forward through a river, uh, like surrounded by butterflies. And 
as this is all happening, Nick and Rachel catch each other's glances. And Rachel is like, you know, just a tear coming out of her eye. She's like, it's such uh, a beautiful thing. And oh my gosh. they just mouth, I love you to each other. And Eleanor actually catches a glimpse of this. Yeah, I I cry literally every single time I watch this movie at this scene. It is just like so beautifully done. It's I love how like the music completely cuts out like as Araminta walks mm-hmm. down the aisle and like we see Colin's face, he's crying he's looking cr- at his uh, bride. They're so in love. Yeah. So in love. Nick and Rachel looking at each other like Constance Wu is just so like charming and cracked open and like vulnerable in this moment. It's truly one of like the most beautiful wedding scenes of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. It gets me. It's really great because um I think in a lot of ways it's unrelatable because it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and it's like kind of gaudy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's that human like look and those moments that like take your breath away that really make the scene palpable oh yeah i have just like full body chills just thinking about it it's It's that look that um katherine heigl talks about in 27 dresses when she's like the groom yes oh it's gorgeous so Colin and Araminta, they get married, they say I do, and we go to the reception, which is at the Supergrove Trees right by Marina Bay Sands. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine how much it would cost to have a wedding reception there. Insanely expensive. Yeah. But it's a whole party. Everyone is dancing. They're having a great time. Araminta has this kind of like 20s style like flapper dress on with like a new hairdo and everything really cute yeah meanwhile eleanor is watching kitty pong and alistair like basically dry humping oh my (laughs) gosh and she's like oliver take care of that for me so oliver goes over to this couple and he's like oh alistair your dad's looking for you something about an overdrawn discretionary account and alistair's like oh my god oh my god and just like runs off so oliver dances with kitty and he's like oh my gosh are you having a good time and she's like I love it. When Alistair and I get married, I want a wedding just like this, only bigger, better. And he's like, sweetie, honey girl, no. Alistair's one of four. He's going to get like no money. You're not going to be able to have a wedding like this. If you want a wedding like that, you should have fallen in love with an only child like dips her over bernard bernard ty (laughs) really awful the most obnoxious man in singapore (laughs) so kitty gets up and like saunters over to bernard and he is immediately entranced by her i do like that his tactic isn't to be like you'll never measure up to the family blah blah Mm -hmm. blah he's literally just like oh like you're not going to get any money. And she clearly has ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So Rachel and Nick are dancing and this woman comes up to Nick and Rachel and tells them mm-hmm. that a ma wants to talk to them. So Nick goes over 
And she tells Rachel that she cannot permit her to ruin her son's life with her ambition. And it's like (gasps) super jarring. What? Eleanor tells them that she hired a private investigator and they know her mother's husband is still alive. And they say that during her marriage, she cheated on them um, and became pregnant with another man's child. And before he found out, she ran away to America. <sighs> Crazy. Like going your yeah. whole life thinking your father is dead. You'll never meet him. Like having one perception of the events. Like mm-hmm. it was, it's yeah. A crazy bombshell. Yeah. Rachel leaves Nick. I really like this scene. Cause um, she like leaves Nick. She runs through the wedding. Like she feels like everyone's laughing at her mm-hmm. and tries to just like push through all these people. But it's really interesting to see. It's kind of like um a played up version of her perspective in this moment. Mm-hmm. And Nick tries to go after her, but Ama tells him that she forbids it. And Nick actually decides to run off. And Ama blames his mom, Eleanor, for his actions and for not making him come back here sooner. Yeah, it's like really chaotic when she's like running through the reception is like kind of time slows down around them. We see like Kitty and Bernard getting caught hooking up in the book. Yeah. It's actually like really graphic that like they open like a door or something and you can literally see them in the middle of having sex and it's Bernard's like bare ass up in the air. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty nasty. But um, yeah, she ends up running out and Nick can't catch up with her. So then we have this kind of like time lapse, days pass, because Rachel's gone back to Pake Lynn's house. She's staying with them now. And she's just completely in despair. She won't get out of bed. She won't eat, take a shower. They try and have um, Pake Lynn's like younger twin sisters bring Rachel some dinner, but she won't even eat. She won't move. She's ignoring all of Nick's phone calls. We see him leaving her a message, begging her to please talk to him and says that he'll stop by again tonight. So man's there every day trying to talk to her. But Mm. I mean, I can't even imagine not only having this like giant bomb dropped on you about like your family, but then also being told that like it's a scandal that would like ruin a family and that like you're a disgrace and like all this stuff. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. So one morning while Rachel is in bed, Pecklin says that there's someone here to see her and it turns out to be Rachel's mom. And when Rachel sees her, she just jumps up and gives her a big hug. It's like the one person that she needed to see right now. Yeah. Fast forward to like a couple of hours later um, Rachel asks Carrie why she never told her the truth about her father. And Carrie tells Rachel the truth basically about her relationship with her husband and said that he used to hit her like she was abused, but an old schoolmate helped her get through things and they fell in love. And when she got pregnant with his baby, she was so afraid that her husband would find out and kill both of them. So she ran to America and Rachel asks if she still thinks about him and Carrie says that she does every day and she wanted to reach out when they first got to America, but she was too afraid of her husband finding them and now she just doesn't want to cause any trouble. Yeah, it made me think of um, The Joy Luck Club, which is an Amy Tan novel that was adapted into a movie Mm -hmm. and that 
book slash movie is kind of about these four women who grew up in China and then like immigrated to the States and kind of like the backstory of like their lives in China. And there were like similar stories of like a woman who was in like an abusive marriage with like a cheating husband and like she moved to America and like her daughter never knew that she had this whole other life and this whole other husband and child with him. And there's lots of stories like that, which I, I feel like probably happened a lot more than we think with like women who grew up in China and then moved to the States that they had these really um, traumatic backstories that they don't talk about. Yeah. So after hearing this huge bomb, Rachel tells her mom that she's sorry and Carrie says not to, like, everything in her past is the reason that she has her brave and clever girl. And Rachel says that she really thought Nick was the one, but now she just wants to go home. And Carrie tells her that Nick is actually the one that brought her out here. So she thinks that she should talk to him once more before they leave. Ladies. A man will never ladies. fly your mother, okay, nope. from New York to Singapore. First class, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. When you're not talking to him. Never. And if he does, please contact me immediately and put me in touch with his brother. So we can steal him. Yeah. <laughs> so Rachel does decide to go meet up with Nick. They meet up like on the riverfront right by the Merlion statue. Oh yeah, the Merlion. Yeah, it's a it's a half mermaid, half lion uh animal. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like an iconic um symbol of of Singapore. So there's there used to be like a giant one on Sentosa, which is like a man-made island that's like you can take a bridge to that okay. has like all of like the beaches and stuff. There used to be a huge one that you could go like into and stuff, but now there's just the original Merlion statue um, right by the Fullerton Hotel. But they meet up at the riverfront, and Nick comes in hot with some like energy he knows exactly what he's gonna say he has a whole speech prepared he's like what my mother did was unforgivable and i've been doing it my whole life but i'm done making excuses for them pulls out an engagement ring and asks rachel to marry him whoa yeah (laughs) he says marry me and we'll start our new life together in new york just you and me i'll leave all of this behind wow yeah pretty pretty big good news so Mm -hmm. The next thing we see is Eleanor walking into a mahjong hall where she sees Rachel playing with two older women. Rachel thanks Eleanor for coming. Yes, they're having a meeting. So Eleanor sits down and they begin to play. And Rachel says that growing up, her mom taught her mahjong because she thought that it would teach her negotiation strategy and cooperation. And Eleanor places a winning combo down on the table. And she's like, my mother taught me too. Rachel asks Eleanor why she disliked her before she even knew about her father. And Eleanor references the Hokian phrase, kagilan, which means our own kind of people, and says that Rachel is not their own kind. Not because she's not rich, but because she is a foreigner. Americans only think about their own happiness. And Rachel asks her, don't you want Nick to be happy? And, uh, oh my gosh. Eleanor says that happiness is an illusion, 
We understand how to build things that last, something that you know nothing about. And she says that Rachel isn't what Nick needs. And Rachel drops the bomb that Nick proposed to her Mm -hmm. and offered to walk away from the family for good. But she turned him down. So Eleanor is like, it goes on a little roller coaster. <laughs> Girl's about to faint. <laughs> yeah. So she exhales and she says, only a fool turns down a winning hand. And Rachel says, there's no winning. You made sure of that. Because if Nick chose me, he would lose his family. And if he chose his family, he might spend the rest of his life resenting you. And Eleanor is like, so you chose for him. And the whole time this is happening, Rachel is holding like the game winning tile in her hand. We see her place it in the middle of her line of tiles, showing that she could win the game with it. And she says, I'm not leaving because I'm scared or because I think I'm not enough. Because maybe for the first time in my life, I know I am. I just love Nick so much, and I don't want him to lose his mom again. So I just wanted you to know that one day, when he marries another lucky girl who is enough for you, and you're playing with your grandkids while the tanhuas are blooming and the birds are chirping, that it was because of me. A poor, raised by a single mother, low-class, immigrant nobody. And Rachel places the game-winning tile back in the, on the table. Eleanor picks it up, puts it in her combination, and wins the game. And there's like a couple of different analysis analyses that you can read about kind of all of the symbolism in the Mahjong game. That's like super interesting. Like the tile is tile number eight, and like the number eight in Chinese is like a symbol of. Um, like fortune and luck and stuff like that. So there's a lot of really cool symbolism and God, the scene is so good. It's so well done and satisfying and like completely tugs at the heartstrings. But Rachel gets up, she joins her mother, Carrie and Eleanor have like a look and a nod at each other. And then they walk out as Eleanor watches. Mm. Have you, have you seen, um, the next thing we see is Astrid in her apartment and Michael packing his things. And Astrid tells him to stop packing because they're moving out. And Cassian will see him when he's good and ready. And Michael is like, you know, it's not just my fault. Things didn't work out between us. And Astrid admits that she shouldn't have hidden all these things from him, but it wasn't like her family's money that was the problem. It was that he was a coward who gave up on them. But I've just realized... It's not my job to make you feel like a man. I can't make you something you're not. Oh, fuck. Scathing. Yeah. When I went to see this in theaters, everyone cheered. (laughs) Everyone clapped and cheered. It was incredible. So then we get this really beautiful cover of Yellow by Catherine Ho. Like, it's a cover of the Coldplay song Yellow. Yeah. And um, the director, John M. Chu, wrote a letter to Coldplay asking to use this song in the movie. And I would like to read you a little bit of it because I think it's very beautiful and important. I know it's a bit strange, but my whole life I've had a complicated relationship with the color yellow. From being called the word in a derogatory way throughout grade school to watching movies where they called cowardly people yellow. 
It's always had a negative connotation in my life. That is until I heard your song. For the first time in my life, it described the color in the most beautiful, magical ways I'd ever heard. The color of the stars, her skin, the love. It was an incredible image of attraction and aspiration that made me rethink my own self-image. I remember seeing the music video in college and for the first time on TRL. That one shot of the sun rising was breathtaking for both my filmmaker and my music-loving side. It immediately became an anthem for me and my friends and gave us a new sense of pride we never felt before even though it probably wasn't ever your intention. We could reclaim the color for ourselves, and it has stuck with me for the majority of my life. I know, and he kind of like describes the plot of the movie and where this song would happen. And he says, I know as an artist, it's difficult to decide when it's okay to attach your art to someone else's, and I'm sure in most instances you are inclined to say no. However, I do believe this project is special. I do believe this is a unique situation in which the first Hollywood studio film with an all-Asian cast is not playing stereotypes or side players, but romantic and comedic leads. It will give a whole generation of Asian Americans and others the same sense of pride I got when I heard your song. I know it's recontextualized, but I think that's what makes it so powerful. I want all of them to have an anthem that makes them feel as beautiful as your words and melody made me feel when I needed it most. Your consideration would mean so much to me in our project. Whoa. Yeah, it's really important that this song was included, and I'm really glad that it was, and it's also such a beautiful cover. This is, again, another point in the movie where I start crying and I don't stop until the end. But this cover is playing. Rachel is getting ready to leave Singapore. She says goodbye to Paik Lin, who is like, you know what? You may not have Nick's family money, but you have your integrity. And that's why I admire you. And she thanks Paik Lin and gets in the car. Rachel and her mom, Carrie, make their way to their seats on the plane to head back to New York when Rachel hears Nick calling her name. (gasps) And he races down the other aisle of the plane. And he says that he is flying back to New York with her. And she's like, don't make this any harder than it is. And Nick has to like dodge all these people like <laughs> who are putting their luggage up into the overhead compartment. And he finally is able to get to her and jumps over this row of chairs. And he says that he always imagined what him proposing to her would look like. I'd bring you to my favorite spot on the island There's a hidden trail that I used to go to as a child. Now there's a cove there that opens up to this beautiful lake. When the sun hits the horizon, I'd get down on one knee and the rest of the world would fall away. Then he like helps a struggling passenger with their (laughs) carry-on. And he's like, is everybody okay? Because I just (laughs) need 30 seconds with this woman. Thank you. And... He says, I know this is a far throw from a hidden paradise, but wherever you are in the world, that's where I belong. And he gets down on one knee. He opens the ring box and it's Eleanor's emerald ring. And he asks her to marry him. And Rachel is about to respond when an older lady behind her is like, yes, yes, she will marry you. And (laughs) Rachel says yes. And everyone applauds. The ring is a perfect fit. Oh, my 
gosh. It's so good. Like, it's just the perfect way. The reveal is <sighs> perfect. Yeah. Just like her be like reeling, just not knowing up from down, like they just broke up and him mm-hmm. revealing that he's gotten the okay from her biggest enemy. Yeah. It's it's the perfect reveal. We don't need to waste like words around it. It's just that one symbol. It's like, yeah, you got the you got the approval. Oh my gosh. So our ending of the movie, Rachel's like, this is gonna be one wild flight back to New York. And he's like, Well, actually, I had something else in mind. So they go up to the deck on Marina Bay Sands. There's a huge engagement party up there waiting for them. Like Araminta and Colin, Peg Lynn is there, mm-hmm. everybody, the whole family. We have like synchronized swimmers in the pool. Crazy. There's champagne. It's a whole thing. And we have this really beautiful moment where Eleanor and Rachel lock eyes from across the party and they just like smile and nod at each other. And it is perfect and i am crying we zoom out we see this gorgeous shot of marina bay sands fireworks in the background as the song comes to a close Uh, that's that shot makes me like cry so much because i'm homesick guys it's hard it's hard being so far away for so many years but then the credits roll and we have a little bonus credit scene for anyone who's read the book you know that astrid has a little romance with her ex-boyfriend charlie and he has a little cameo here played by harry shum jr from glee oh my god and they have a little moment where they like smile at each other at the bar astrid has a new man in her life Uh. And that is Crazy Rich Asian. Pretty incredible movie. There's so much to say. I mean, it's a beautiful movie just in its visual mm-hmm. um, depiction of Singapore. It's It almost feels like, um, I don't know if this is the best comparison, but in the way that like Baz Luhrmann is so like eccentric and like out there, mm-hmm. the shots themselves just feel so gorgeous even though it's real Mm -hmm. it feels like so over like so lush and gorgeous and exquisite Mm -hmm. and then of course there's the script and the acting and of course it plays into the romantic comedy genre but at the same time it feels incredibly complex and deeply rooted in personal like trauma and Mm -hmm. like like interpersonal relationships yeah yeah like sense of security and sense of confidence Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it's really hard to explore that relationship and also get a full view of someone's family like we see a lot Mm -hmm. of times with stories like that you don't get to also have someone's family like mesh into that picture but yeah it does a really great job of bringing everything in Nick's sphere and Rachel's sphere into mm-hmm. the story. Yeah, and I think like I the kind of central issue with like Eleanor and Rachel, it's really not about the lack of money. Like that's not really even the issue cuz she's like perfectly well educated, she is accomplished, like she 
is more than qualified. It's lit- it's the cultural differences yeah. is where they clash. And it's like her being a- Asian American versus like people who grew up in Asia. I know that there's a lot of like cultural differences there as well because like just growing up in America is so different than anywhere else. And um, I think it's really clear that this movie is written from like an outsider perspective like that because the book by Kevin Kwan, Kevin Kwan like grew up in Singapore until he was 11 and then he moved to the States and lived there for like the rest of high school and to college there. So Rachel's journey, I feel is very much colored by his own journey of like having kind of one foot in both Mm -hmm. doors. And I mean, I know that there's some fair criticisms of this movie in terms of like its depiction of Singapore, because it does depict like, a very, very small upper echelon um, and also doesn't showcase Singapore's actual diversity and, like, what life is actually like there. So I, I think that's totally fair. Um, and that is also where it comes across quite clear to me that it's, like, not by somebody who grew up there their whole lives. But it does still really tug at my heart to be able to see the place that I grew up in like on screen. Cause I've never seen another movie other than like Singaporean movies that are set there. So like it really feeds into my homesickness to be able to see the place that I grew up in and like the world that I'm so familiar with and that I feel very far away from currently. And it's also really important outside of me for like a huge group of people who've never been able to see themselves on screen before is like, so huge and the movie itself is just fun and it's heartwarming and it's enjoyable Mm -hmm. and i feel like when people talk about the death of the rom-com and how like we don't see rom-coms like we did in the 2000s i think this is the perfect example of a fun modern rom-com yeah absolutely and i think that the death of the typical rom-com Rom-tom. Rom-com is definitely because <laughs> it doesn't show, I mean, both the typical male and female like counterparts mm-hmm. as full people. Whereas with this movie, yeah. we get to see Rachel, she's working. We get to see her interpersonal mm-hmm. relationships with her friend, with her mother. Mm-hmm. We get um, just a deeper, what feels like a non-superficial profile of her. Yeah. And um, yeah, I definitely also think, and this is also coming from me as someone who hasn't even been to Asia, but just knowing the stereotypes that get put on like um, Eastern culture and like the mm-hmm. like mystical East and it's like, Ooh, like people just like, yeah, you know, it's so good that like we have America and like, we don't have to like live in uh in Asian country, like that whole mentality mm-hmm. when you see a movie like this, even though they are definitely in the upper echelon, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, Singapore is a beautiful place to live. People who are Asian, like still struggle with the same things that we struggle with. And I think that having that become something that people can see more widely is going to help mm-hmm. like people understand each other better which is always good. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a really great movie. Oh, I love this movie. I highly recommend. It's just so enjoyable and it has so much heart to it. And I'm really glad you guys picked it. Yeah, y'all picked it. It's such a good movie. Maybe we should do a live movie watch one day. Oh, that would be so fun. You can all see Christina cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, Should we rate the film before we hop off? Yeah, let's do it. Our final rom-com of the month. Uh, I'm going to give this film 10 boxes of chocolates. I really enjoyed it. <gasps> Same. Yeah. I don't know how many boxes I would eat. I'll say eight too because I was too distracted to eat more. Yeah, I think I think I'm just gonna eat one because I'm probably also gonna order Chinese food while I watch it. Nice. But yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. We had a wonderful rom com February. Absolutely. It was a blast getting to talk about these romantic favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just all all that's flowing through my head right now is like Shoes, romantic gestures, weddings. <laughs> yeah, I guess should we announce our next theme month? Oh, we have to. We are doing March Magic, okay? Oh my gosh, we're doing all of your magical, mystical faves. So yeah, we'll see you next week for some magical movies. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.